Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Stuart McCollum, I'm the CEO of VHA, and joining me for this week's discussion is workplace relations consultant Charlene Jayadeva. Welcome, Charlene. Hi, Stuart. Uh, I think uh, this time we've got a clue to suggest the subject for today's discussion, and it's in two parts. And uh, the first one is on screen now. For the benefit of, benefit of those who are listening rather than watching, could you describe what it is you see? Sure. So I see um, a title for a book. It's called The Fixer, uh, mm -hmm. The Untold Story of Graham Richardson. And, and uh, any thoughts on who Graham Richardson might be? So he was a politician and the he minister was. for the Hawke government. So Nice. Uh, I think there are probably quite a few politicians who would uh, like the title of uh, The Fixer. And that's just on the Amazon landing page. I must say I'm struck by the price. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the hardcover, uh, just uh, for the benefit of those who are listening, uh, Charlene. Uh, so that was four hundred and twenty-nine dollars for a hardcover. That feels steep. Uh, <laughs> I, for four hundred and twenty-nine dollars, I expect it to be handwritten. Uh, <laughs> I have to say. All right. So we have the fixer. Uh, we also have a, a second image, which is now on screen. And if you could describe that. Yeah. So we've got a. I would like to say a meme. Um, and it says, I didn't realise it was the end of term, said no teacher ever. A meme. Uh, well, because I'm from Generation X, uh, I'm going to pretend uh, I know what a meme is, but not really understand it. Uh, but there we have two images, one of uh, the fixer, one of uh, a, a, the end of term. Uh, on that basis, what would you say the subject for today's discussion would be? Uh, it has to be fixed term changes. Uh, this is eerie. That's twice in a row. Uh, I think Tim Nagel is going to start to get jealous at the frequency with the, which you accurately identify the subject <laughs> for today's discussion. So, yes, we are talking about fixed term uh, contracts. And in particular, we're focusing on uh, upcoming changes to the Fair Work Act, which take effect later this year. And those changes will limit uh, the use of fixed term contracts. I realise that we're focusing on changes that are highlighted in Bulletin 2943, but are there any other resources that members can access that detail the changes to the Act? Yeah, so there is information in that Bulletin and, and some supporting information, uh, but the Fair Work Commission also has published some material uh, about a range of changes that came through from the Secure Jobs Better Pay Act, and uh, there's a link there available on the screen. Let's start with the most important question. When do the changes take effect? So it's interesting, for that secure jobs uh, legislation, there were a range of changes in a range of timeframes. But for today's discussion on fixed term contract changes, the magic date is the 6th of December, 2023. And the purpose of these changes is to limit the use of fixed term mm. contracts. What are those limitations? So the changes to the Fair Work Act uh, will limit the use of fixed term contracts to a period of no greater than two years, unless an exception applies. Obviously, we'll need to talk about those exceptions in some detail in a moment, but are there any other limitations that will be coming into effect? Uh, there are. Uh, so there are additional uh, limitations that concern the renewal or extension of fixed term contracts. So from the 6th of December 2023, what are the limitations on renewal or extension of a fixed term contract? Effectively, a contract can only be renewed or extended once. So there are two components that employers need to be mindful of. One, 
being the total period of the contract is limited to two years unless an exception applies. And number two, the contract cannot be renewed or extended more than once. That's correct. Just to take that a little further, what does that mean for consecutive contracts? Yeah, look, that's a great question. So just in terms of consecutive contracts, uh, that is where one contract ends and a new contract is entered into, uh, there are restrictions in certain circumstances. Let's unpack those a little further. Uh, so the circumstances where uh, the restriction applies uh, is as shown on screen at the moment. So the previous contract had a term providing it would terminate at the end of an identifiable period and the previous contract was for the employee to perform the same or substantially similar work for the employer and the contract and nature of work indicates a continuity of employment uh, condition between the previous and new contract and then any of the following. Um, the length of the previous and new contract exceeds two years. The new contract provides an option for renewal extension. The previous contract provides an option for renewal extension. A previous contract replaces a prior fixed term contract and both contracts required workers to perform the same or substantially similar work. So consecutive contracts in those circumstances can't exceed two years? That, that's right, but it's again, it's subject to the exceptions and we'll come to those exceptions shortly. To summarise the conditions, a fixed term contract is deemed consecutive if, one, being the contract has a fixed term or period, two, the contract engages in similar work, three, there is a continuity of employment which exists, and four, the duration con uh, condition has been satisfied. Yes, so if the contract fits that description, it means that the limitations that are being introduced will apply. Unless there's an exception? Unless there's an exception, yes. That brings us to those exceptions. How many are there? Well, there are nine, nine exceptions. What's the significance of these exceptions? Yeah, so these are the circumstance, uh, or these circumstances describe the exception to that new two-year limit. And what do they cover? So broadly, the exceptions fall into the categories, which we're going to bring up on screen, nine, uh, nine and all. One, specialised jobs. Two, training relationships. Three, essential work during peak demands. Four, emergency situations, temporary absences. Five, high income threshold. Six, government funded work. Seven, governance positions eight modern award terms, and nine prescribed by regulation. So let's unpack those in greater detail. What does the exception specialised jobs entail? Yeah, so that refers to employees who are engaged solely in the performance of specific identifiable tasks requiring special, uh, special skills. Which would have some relevance to our members. The second exception, training relationships, also has relevance. Would they include graduate positions and Rousson and Rousson positions? Yeah, so those are great examples of uh, those arrangements are, are of a kind that would just uh, would fall under that training relationship description. And the third exception, essential work during peak demands is interesting. Does the Act provide much information when this might apply? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, so it's also worth noting that we had a look at the explanatory memorandum, which is the document that outlines the purpose of the legislative changes, and that doesn't 
really provide an example that's applicable to the health sector. In fact, the example it gave was with respect to um, fruit picking, to agriculture, but uh, it is potentially relevant to our sector. What about emergency situations and temporary absences? So uh, this exception is where an employee is engaged to undertake work during emergency circumstances or a temporary absence or, uh, of another employee. Uh, it's interesting that those two things are bundled together. So a word of caution with regards to that. So although emergency situation, temporary absence are bundled together, um, some restraint uh, should be exercised in terms of emergency situation. I think temporary absence is, is largely uh, self-explanatory, but um, you know, emergency situation is probably an objective test, not, not a subjective feeling. So emergency circumstances should be given its ordinary meaning? Yes, that, that, that's right. Uh, and there, there are examples that will occur within our sector, but it would be worth just treating that element of that exception with caution. In terms of temporary absences, um, examples could include uh, long-term work cover replacement, backfill for extended leave, such as parental leave or long service leave, and mm. also secondments. Uh, yes. And what about the high income threshold exception? Yeah, so the way that that works is that in the year that the contract is entered into, that the amount of the employee's earnings under that contract is above the high income threshold that is set for that year. And where can employers access further information on the high income thresholds? So it's it's published. Uh, it, uh, the Fair Work Ombudsman uh, publishes high income threshold amounts on their website, and the link is uh, up on the screen at the moment. But Currently, it's indexed each year. Uh, currently, it's $167,500. Nice. Um, so the government-funded work sounds like an exception that would apply to members, but there's more to it? Yeah. So whilst on the surface where it says government-funded work, it sounds like something that would have broad application to our sector, um, but it's a lot narrower than people think. So for the purpose of the exception, uh, government-funded work is when the work is funded in whole or in part by government funding or funding of a kind prescribed in the regulations for the purpose of that subparagraph, and the funding is payable for a period of, of more than two years, and there are no reasonable prospects that the funding will be renewed after the end of that period. I note we have another exception um, called governance positions. Which group of employees would um, apply to those? Well, governance positions contain, um, you know, uh, contain time limits usually under governing rules of corporations or associations. But governance positions, you're really talking about um, directors uh, from from the board. Um, and how does a modern award affect our enterprise agreements? Yeah, so it's interesting that it ha has that space within the exceptions uh, for a modern award, but a modern award that covers an employee that includes a fixed term arrangement could fall within the exception. But remember, uh, an enterprise agreement um, uh, will operate to the exclusion of a modern award. So really, I don't think that will have any work to do. And lastly, are there any additional exceptions prescribed by regulation? Yeah, not at this time. So it's not uncommon for legislators to give them themselves that space to fill in gaps or deal with any emerging issues uh, through regulation. But at this time, there's nothing in addition that's been prescribed through that mechanism. Um, it has to be noted that a number of our agreements 
um, agreements have provisions that go into the issue of fixed term contracts? Yeah, they do. Uh, and they include the nurses, midwives, allied health professionals, medical scientists. And these terms, where they appear in enterprise agreements, um, their work is really to limit the circumstances under which fixed term contracts can be used. So this idea of a limitation or rules around fixed term contracts, that idea of itself is not new to our sector. So for parts of our sector, the use of fixed term contracts was already limited. That's right. And uh, one of the things that we've provided members is a table that seeks to align the circumstances permitted by the relevant agreement where they do have that kind of term for a fixed term contract and match that with the relevant statutory exception uh, to the extent that that's possible. So where there is a term, how will it in interact with the provisions of the agreement? So uh, the first thing to say is the Act applies. And if the Act is more restrictive, uh, then the more restrictive setting will, will operate. If the agreement has additional restrictions or conditions that are not inconsistent with the Act, they will continue to apply. There is a weight there's more component that we need to cover off for the public sector members. Yes, so for any community health members, they can put this to one side, but for public sector members, uh, we've been advised that there will be a new policy direction uh, for the Victorian public service and public sector, uh, which will commence at the same time as these fixed term changes. So that would be the 6th of December, 2023. What do we need to know about the policy uh, policy directive at this time? Yeah, so the effect of the policy direction will be to impose a, a cap um, of three years on fixed term employment, even where an exception applies. So the way the Act operates is that you can't go beyond two years unless there's an exception, um, but the policy directive is looking to cap how far beyond two years you can go up to three years. So that's an additional layer. Are there any exceptions to that three-year gap? Uh, so that seems to be the case, and there is some material that we've had a chance to look at, but we're just going to engage with the department and, and IRV to understand how that policy direction uh, is likely to operate for the public health sector uh, as such. So to the extent that we have seen proposed uh, exceptions to that, they mirror those that you find in the VPS. And um, so we're just going to see whether or not there is some adaptation um, that, that will apply or, or not. So we just do a little bit more work to do uh, for that. But what we will do is once we get that clarification and sort that through, we'll update the advice to members. Perfect. So just returning to the Act um, provisions, in terms of compliance regarding fixed-term contracts, um, what should health services be aware of? The Act includes um, some anti-avoidance provisions that prohibit the, uh, a range of actions from occurring. We're going to put those up on screen now uh, and where those actions are done to get around uh, the fixed term contract limitations. So you know, terminating an employee's employment for a period, delay uh, re-engaging uh, an employee for a period, not re-engaging an employee and instead engaging another person to perform the same or substantially similar work for the person as the employee had performed, uh, change the nature of the work or tasks the employees required to perform for the person, otherwise alter an employment relationship. So pretty broad in terms of the um, in terms of the anti-avoidance provisions there. And are there any other um, additional obligations employers should know? So the amendments to the Fair Work Act also introduce a requirement to provide a, an information statement, a fixed term contract information statement 
that's not available yet. Um, but it's something that you would provide when entering into a fixed term contract either before or as soon as practicable after the contract is entered into. And uh, also that the Fair Work Commission can deal with disputes on the subject. Does the Act uh, outline any penalties for non-compliance? It does. So it has new terms that attract civil penalties for non-compliance um, with up to 600 penalty units, which I think the, the price for 600 penalty units would currently be about $165,000 uh, if there was a serious contravention, bearing in mind that serious contra contravention is um, a higher level than just a, a regular contravention and has a series of criteria attached to it. And where can members find a summary of the changes we have discussed today? So uh, earlier this week, uh, we put out Bulletin 2943. Uh, we've distributed that to members. It's also on um, the VHA website under the IR portal. And it includes, as I said before, that comparison with enterprise agreement terms where there are enterprise agreement terms on the subject of fixed term contracts. Thanks, Stuart, for taking us through the changes. Thank you, Charlene. Reach out to